Good morning, Connections. Ugh. Good morning, Connections. <laughs> I hope everyone has had a great Sunday thus far. Um, I'm thankful for Jordan. That he went over all the announcements, so I don't have to. So now you know exactly what's going on. Um, but I do want to take just a couple minutes uh, before we dive into last uh, couple weeks ago mission team and I want to talk about what today actually is and today if you didn't already know is Veterans Day um, and I would like to recognize the veterans that we have today um, so if you you have you are active military or have previously served in any uh, branch if you would just go ahead and stand up at this time Thank you so much for your uh, your service to our country. Uh, if you didn't already see it on the way in, there are bags in the foyer. If you could uh, grab one of those. Uh, and again, we appreciate uh, all it took for you guys to serve our country. You know, and the freedoms that we have, we have been offered, uh, and sacrificing that time and that portion of your life uh, to be able to go and to serve, so we can have those those freedoms. So again. Thank you so much on behalf of Connection Church. Um, but there's a different type of service that we want to talk about today also. Um, and that's our service to our Lord. And that's our service to other people. And that's what we did this year, uh, 2018. We took a mission trip to Honduras. Uh, there's nine of us who took, took a trip. And if, if anyone on that team is here and present in the room, I'd also like to them stand up for a second. So we're just recognizing all kinds of service this morning. So um, I think we're missing one off the team so far this morning, but uh, everybody else is present. Uh, we want to take a few minutes, and we just want to we want to talk about some of the experiences that we had, uh, so that way to encourage you, and that way you guys can better know what we did. Uh, each person all offered something to the team, a different dynamic, and we we served in many different ministry areas and did many different things. Um, so I'm going to let some of the team members kind of share today. Um, and what they did. Uh, Hunter, one of the biggest things I think we had going, going on on the team was our ability to mesh together and to grow together and do service together. Uh, can you share just a few minutes yeah, about yeah. it? So um, we had a great time down in Honduras, just getting to grow together as a team. Um, there were some people on the team that I didn't even really know well, but I feel like they're family now, um, which was awesome. The team building that we got to do and um, enjoy, I think you'll see some pictures on the screen here in a few. But, um, you know... We, Tuesday night we had a uh, worship session down there and um, we were all really tired. It had kind of been our fun day um, while we were down there and um, we came in and we were like, well, you know, we're not really feeling worship, Um, but we got together, you know, started playing some guitar um, and just started worshiping and singing and God's presence was just alive in the place and it was huge and it just kind of showed us that, you know, even when we're not expecting God to do big things, he does. Um, so that's when he can come through and really shine through. Um, so that was big for us, you know, to start out the week on such a high note, getting to share that as a team and really grow together. Um, that was the biggest thing on, you know, team building. That was, it was awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you for that. And if you guys didn't notice, those of you who are here Sunday kind of got a taste of that experience and the fact that we just couldn't close service. We just couldn't leave the presence of the Lord. And that's something that, that we definitely had as a team throughout this week and our time uh, together as we got to grow together and we got to grow closer to our Lord. Um, so obviously one of the biggest things we did, um, some of you may have already seen pictures of it, was uh, we did some building projects. We did some things and um, no thanks to me, I just held screws. Um, that's, that's about it. But uh, there were some, some other gentlemen on the team who, who definitely uh, took the reins on that project and I want, uh, Justin, if you, if you don't mind spending a few minutes to talk about the projects and, and how we served the Hondurans and how we served with the Hondurans and together as a team. So um, basically when we started trying to think of what we were going to do on this trip, trying to figure it all out, uh, Joey figured out that basically all the guys had some sort of experience in building or as much as he doesn't say, he, he's built some stuff. It may not look good, but hey, it's built. It's built, right? So the goal was never perfection here. We wanted a standing structure. Um, but anyways, the first thing we did, uh, we went to the special needs school. We built a toy box shelving unit, and it was like a... Airdrops. Yeah, it was like a sensory thing for the kids, you know, um, to help them with their special needs. There you go, right there. And... Um, so that was uh, that was great to be able to serve that that school and to give them some things that they really need that no one had stepped up and either donated or, or built for them already. Um, after that, we spent the rest of the week at the church building a playground, and they're probably about to show pictures of that coming up. Um, that playground was incredible. I was so proud of everybody coming together. Um, when we got there, it turned out they had already put 18 inches of dirt down that was like walking on a waterbed so that changed everything the way the thing was built but everybody stepped up they did their job they did what they needed to do um, and took control and to to build something like that in two and a half days is absolutely incredible Um, so to see that come together to see everybody learn hunter learned how to use a router for the first time just little things uh you know but everybody stepping up doing their part uh it was just awesome, and it reminds me of the, the video, John Christ, of the, the missionary. I'm sure y'all have probably seen that, where he makes fun of people going on a missions trip, because a lot of this stuff's cliche, painting the same building, you know, that the previous week had just painted, you know, things like that. But when we look at things like, like building the playground, it's easy to see just the tangible part of that, but what we forget as Christians is the spiritual part of that as well. So we say, oh, cool, you know, kids can go on a playground or they got a place to put their toys. But look at the spiritual side of it where kids are now playing on a playground right next to a church that they may not have previously been next to. You know, to be around kids that may go to that church, that can influence them to come to church, and then that's their foot in the door. Um, and then for the adults, you know, the adults aren't playing on the playground. We did a couple times, uh, you know, but uh, the adults aren't on there. But, uh, you know, for them to see Americans come across several countries to come and build a playground for that church, them specifically, it could have been any church, but it was that church. And to see an impact on them, give that give us an opportunity um, to share with them why it is that we do stuff like that. We do that because God's love and his grace that he has for us and the things that he's provided us with here in the States compels us to go help other people with those things. So to be, be a witness opportunity in that sense was, was, uh, was great. And, and briefly, I know I'm running out of time here, but I want to show some or uh, share something 
I got you. Uh, uh, God, things hot. But um, I want to share something that was on my heart. We we were really trying to figure out as a group how how do we take the feeling that we have here right now and bring that back with us. Yes. So how, how, how do we bring this atmosphere of the Lord that we felt all week in his presence, how do we bring that back here to Connections Church? And it hit me on the way home that I got the opportunity to spend a week with people that were wholeheartedly and ready for God to show up in any moment, any moment. Everybody had prepared their hearts. They had prayed. They had done what they needed to do, whether it was preparing for a project or whatever it was, and it showed. And then to come in the next Sunday morning and we start a sermon series called Extreme, it all came full circle. Because that's how we lived our lives that week. We lived extreme lives. We lived extreme lives of prayer, extreme life of service, and extreme life of worship. And so I was talking to a good buddy of mine uh, a couple months ago, and we were talking about worship. And I hope he doesn't mind me you know, mention this story, but we were talking about raising your hands in worship. And he said to me, he said, um, I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary to raise your hands in worship. And I wholeheartedly disagree. And don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to take moral authority over anyone in this room and say, you're doing it wrong. Or if you don't raise your hands, you're not going to experience Jesus, but we're supposed to live extreme. So you're supposed to go past your comfort zone and past the things that, you know, that you really want to do. So sometimes you don't feel like worshiping, but you raise your hands anyways. And God, God likes that obedience that we give him in that way. And so I just want to encourage you guys, um, you know, just looking back to live extreme lives, um, change your whole mindset. And, and if, if God's not speaking to you, pray to him about that. Ask him about that. If he's, if he's not giving you an experience in worship that you want to have, pray about that. Worship him. Uh, even if you feel weird throwing your hands up, worship him. It, it, and when you're reading his word and, and the words aren't making sense, just stop and pray, Lord, what do you have for me here? What do you, what do you want me to know? And so that's my encouragement to you guys that we really experience that week. Please, just in your everyday life, in your prayer life, in your worship, and in your study, please just expect God to show up. Pray to Him knowing that He is our God and that He can do incredible things. And I promise you that He'll show up, not just in sending fire down from heaven or large things, but in the very little things of everyday life that we need to sustain us. Well, that was our uh, sermon for today. Scott, you don't need to preach today. We're good. <laughs> Justin, you have filled us, and we're good to go. No, I'm just... Um, that's good. Thank you, Definitely. Justin. That's exactly um, that's exactly what we hope for, we look for, and I'm glad he shared because uh, the little things, a playground, a play set, some swings, so little to us, but how much it meant to them yeah. there. And they're going to be able to use it. The church is going to use it. They're going to be able to, to evangelize in that in that community now because of, of something so small and so little so i'm, I'm thankful for that um another thing we, we got to which has been mentioned thus far special needs schools um and some of the ministry within the children's ministry um i, w- I want to hear from you angie i want to hear what you guys experienced and uh the kind of things that you did in that you know to touch a little bit on what Justin said, they, the gentlemen that were there, they, work up, they woke up extremely early. Extremely early, was very obedient. You know, us women, we kind of rose when the sun come up, you know. And uh, they were already there 
building because they knew that they had to build this project. So I applaud them for that. But I had a privilege to be able to serve with three other women from the church and then plus Kelly. So that would be Julie, uh, Miss Linda, and Miss Susan. And, and, you know, we got to really bond together as a team, um, as strong women. You know, when we walked into the Bordeaux, um, uh, which I know Pastor Jerry's going to talk about that, but uh, they didn't have anything. They didn't have anything. And my husband, I got to go with him. Uh, we went into a family, and it, they had six kids, and they accepted us in their home with open arms. They were excited for us to be there, and they were excited for us to see what God had done for them. I had to humble myself because on the outside looking in, they didn't have much. But what I saw was that they had everything. They even took one of the best things that they had been given, which was a hammock, handmade, that I know that they would have got a lot of money for. And the father gave it to my husband. And he said, I want you to take this. Thank you for coming into my home. They don't have anything, but they gave the very, they still gave. That touched me. That was on the very first day, very first. And then we got to go to the Church of the Exceptional, I mean, the the School of the Exceptional. And when you walk into this place, you know, it's all boarded up. There's walls everywhere. And we open up the door and we walk in. And the kids come running with their arms around us, giving us so much love. Like, they were so excited. Kenneth, you know, kissing you on the cheek. That's something there. I had to get used to that. Um, Yeah, there there was some that liked to kiss a little more than others others. Um, I have one that has said that he would be my husband if I ever needed another one at one time. <laughs> Bless his heart. Um, but we got to just play and, and, you know, in this church, in this school, we were able to teach God's word. Amen. Can we do that here? Can we do that in the States now? We were able to go day after day and teach God's word and they were so receptive. They were so grateful. Um, they never asked to change a different color of whatever, oh, these crazy fish that we made all week. Um, but they never asked for a different color. They were grateful for whatever they had, what we gave them sometimes, you know. I thought that needed to come over to our kids a little bit. But um, nevertheless, in the last couple of days, we got to serve at a church that we were building this for. And we got a women's group together. And we did the study of Ruth. Now, the ladies, we had studied that before we had got there and already had gotten really close about that. Those women were so grateful. They gathered together. They gathered the little, their little children. We did a, um, wherever the women went, the kids went, you know, which I love that. that I was okay with that. Uh, but the women gathered together and they gathered their Bibles. And, you know, the whole week we had interpreters. But I didn't need an interpreter when they spoke to me because I felt God's spirit. I felt it. They took us in. We were there. We studied about Ruth. And at the very end, Miss Julie gave this absolutely beautiful prayer. And we were circled up. And all of a sudden, Julie said, amen. But you know what? The spirit wasn't done. God showed up in a mighty way. Those women continued to pray. They continued to pray out loud. It was the most beautiful thing that I had saw. It was gorgeous. And, and they took heed to everything that was said. 
and um, so appreciative. Those kids there were so thankful. They laughed and were excited with you guys. They liked to see everything that the gentlemen were uh, making. Um, it was like they had never seen something like this before. It was like Christmas. All, every time we would come, Christmas over and over and over and over again. But it was amazing. God spoke to me about how can I bring that back? How can we do stuff within this county? It's not by chance that my husband and I chose out of the entirety of North Carolina that we would come to Belmont, North Carolina. I'm so grateful for this church family. So grateful. I'm grateful for what God chose us to be able to do. But I speak to you in saying, what can we do? What can we do as a body? What can we do as a church? What can we do in a community? And I may be stepping on feet, but I apologize. But I'm just saying, think about that. Go home. We've got a lot of things coming up. We have Thanksgiving and we have Christmas. And sometimes we get so wrapped up. But let us not forget. Let us not forget. And so I appreciate everybody that donated, that prayed, that gave when they didn't have to give for all of us to be able to go and live this amazing week and then come back on fire. So I appreciate it. An amazing perspective. And as are, um, you know, these kids, they were, we weren't even through with the project and we had kids climbing all over. Never would have happened in the United States. We had kids climbing over us and we're trying to screw screws and hammer nails and we're like, hey kid, will you hand me that? Um, and it was, it, was, it was great to see. And you know, I had this spirit and I'm just reluctant this morning. There's a reason why mission trips change lives. I want to talk to you about the Bordos for just one more quick minute. This was our first day. And uh, if you could go back a few slides if you could, I want to show you guys representation of what the Bordos actually look like. Uh, they, they, we were cautioned coming in to don't take pictures on the street. What a Bordo is, it borders, it's a community that borders a river. When I say community, I mean shacks. When I say community, I mean thousands of people on top of one another. These are sheet metal, pallet, scrap wood structures. Barely any power. Running water, forget it. In the background is a representation of what your average house looked like in this area. And this area, mind you, doesn't belong to anybody. It doesn't belong to them. They don't own the ground that it stands on. And the reason they're allowed to live there is because the waters rise. We were told a story not too long ago that the floodwaters came and demolished half of them. And they rebuilt them right back because they had nowhere else to go. The Bordeaux that we were at were in San Pedro Sula. And it was a wake-up call on our very first day as we got to bring groceries to some families. And as Angie was saying, we broke off in teams and we got to go visit these families. And they had nothing. 
But you know what they did? They put on their best clothes. They put on their best dress and welcomed us in their families. Welcomed us in their house and told their stories. And that's why lives change as missionaries. And this is not an indictment of you or this church. This is an indictment of the body of Christ. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. We are so focused on turkeys and trees and Hallmark movies and gift wrap. And these people have nothing. They, they were giving their best away. Dirt floors. And we as a body, we're too busy sitting out in the foyer for 20 minutes getting coffee instead of coming in here and worshiping and enjoying the things of God. Let us be a people who gets it. Because they did, they got it. They had nothing, but they had everything. They put on their best to come and serve on Sunday morning. And they were at church well ahead. And they were worshiping and they were jumping up and down and they were singing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we say the same? If you guys would stand in this place with that attitude this morning, does he have it all? And do we get it? Continue to worship with us this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. What a great morning already, right? Wow. I love it when God shows up. I had no doubt He would. But you know, we get here early and the building's kind of quiet and we just get the heat cranking a little bit. And you think to yourself, well, we, we might be here by ourselves, but then you people pour in. And that makes our day, just so that you know. We did have a great time on our trip to Honduras and my wife and I were privileged uh, to be able to go with that team. And uh, I actually have a favorite photo I wanted to show you this morning too, if, if Spence would pop that up there for you. This is maybe something you haven't seen. Uh, here, here we go. Nope, not that one. My mind was blown though. We got that picture that I put up there for you. We'll just give it one more second. If it doesn't work, that's fine. But Honduras is an amazing, amazing place. Here, here it is. Justin really came out of his shell while we were in Honduras. I don't always go to the mission field, but when I do, I build stuff. We, we, had, a great, we had a great time that week, and uh, Justin's very photogenic, and he's very humble, as you, as you know, and he's already preached this morning, so I don't have a lot to say. I'll, I'll try to get you out by about two, if that's okay. If you've got your handouts with you, I left you a lot of space on here this morning uh, to take some notes. Uh, generally speaking, we put an outline on there for you to fill in. But God didn't finish with what He wanted said this morning until late last night. I was even in my office early this morning with, with a concordance in my hand, digging a little bit deeper to make sure that, that what came out this morning was what He wanted. And so I thank you for being here and... Uh, 
If you've got your Bibles, open those up to 1 John. We're going to skip around just a little bit, but mainly be in 1 John chapter 3. Over the last couple of years, and I haven't been in it as long as a Pastor Robert, <clears throat> but uh, over the last couple of years of being able to do ministry full-time and meet with people on a regular basis, I, I've noticed that one of the things that seems to c- come up on a regular basis in the hearts and the minds and the actions of people is that people don't seem to have a real concept of who they are in Christ Jesus. I want that to sink in for just a second. Sometimes, and, and I guess more often than not, if I'm sitting with someone and it's, it's kind of a counseling type session or you know we're just having coffee, what eventually comes across is that they don't really have a concept of who they are in Christ Jesus. So I've seen that in several conversations that I've had over the years. I see that as I look across this congregation this morning. Perhaps there's somebody here and you can just tell in some people's faces they don't walk with the confidence of of their faith. They don't walk with the confidence of the knowledge of Christ. And you can just sense that there's something they're not getting. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here in the service and you, you can't decide your place. You're not sure. There's no assurance in who you are in Christ Jesus. Well, like you've already heard this morning, we were fortunate enough to have gone to Honduras and spent a week there. And as uh, some of the team members already told you, just walking into the presence of the people who were there, those that had some and those that had none, you felt confident that they knew who they were in Christ Jesus. I was able to meet several pastors while I was there. You know, that's how us pastor people are. We rub elbows with other pastor people. That's a joke. I was able to, to meet some, some folks who lived in the Bordeaux, some folks who lived in different communities there. But when they came in, like uh, Angie had expressed, some of them wanted, some of the kids wanted to, to give a kiss and some in, in, in pretty, pretty expressive, expressive kisses. But when they gave a hug, they came all in. I loved what I felt when they, when they did that. And I'm not a real touchy-feely kind of guy. You know, I've had to kind of warm up to some of you because you always want to, you know, kind of get hands-on. I sort of grew up in the community where we were like, yeah, we love you in Christ. <laughs> Over there. But these people were just, give me some of that. You know, they're just those kinds of people. And what I felt exuding from the very nature of the people in Honduras was that they knew who they were. They were confident in Christ. Dirt floors are not, we love Jesus, you love Jesus, let's hug. And I love that. I love the, the real fences down, unmask part of what we saw in Honduras. Last week... After coming back to the States, I got back into the routine, caught up on a few emails, a few text messages, and I was able to meet with at least one brother who's part of this church. I was able to sit eye to eye with him, and he's struggling with some things in in his life. And he was able to lay those out on on the table for for myself and another gentleman. And he's like, "This, this is what I'm struggling in. And... I ask him this question, and this is where we are this morning, and I want want to ask you this question. I want all of us to ask ourselves this question. What does God think of me? That's what I asked him. I said, what do you think God thinks of you? So I'm asking you this morning, what do you think God thinks of you? This gentleman's answer after... He took a minute because I'm sure he didn't expect me to ask that question. I tend to ask questions that people don't expect me to ask. That's what you pay me for. 
tears welled up in his eyes. And he said, Pastor, I think God's disappointed with me. He said, I think God would tell me if he was here right now, you, you could do better. I thought you would do better. And as tears started to come down his face after hesitating and giving me that answer, I, I gave him my best pastor answer back. But it wasn't just the, the scripted answer. It wasn't the answer that you read in the book that you're supposed to give people who say that. Something welled up inside of me and I told him and I'm telling somebody here this morning, God's not disappointed with you at all. God has not abandoned you. God has not given up on you. He's not surprised at where you are and what it is that you're going through in your life. He knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly who you've done it with and how many times you've done it. He is not surprised. He is not disappointed. And here's the kicker. God loves you. And this is what I told that gentleman. I'm telling you all now. He loves you with an extreme love. He loves you with an extreme love. So here's the message for for us all today. This is, this is God speaking, and we're going to go to this verse in a, in, a, in a minute. And this is God, and when I say God, I'm talking about the Trinity of God. I don't care where you grew up and what your theology is. I'm telling you what mine is, and you just live with it. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit tell us, I love you with an extreme love. Amen. He's not disappointed in you. He hasn't given up on you. It's the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 that says this, and I hope that they're going to put it on screen for those of you that don't have your text with you. But it says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Here it is. Behold. Now hold on a second before you go any further and leave that up if you would, Spence. When somebody says behold in the Bible, what are they saying? They're saying, look. Some of your versions or translations may say that. John the Apostle is somebody who had lived with Jesus, saw Jesus crucified, saw or heard that Jesus had been resurrected, saw Jesus after His resurrection, and watched as Jesus Christ Himself ascended into heaven. This man, John, said, behold. Can you put that back up there? Behold. He wants you to look. He wants you to see what he's about to say right there. That's important. Where else have you heard in the Bible where somebody says, behold? Well, if you go back to John, not 1 John, but John, he's telling of John the Baptist who was baptizing people one day and Jesus appeared and what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who's come to take the sins of the world. That's the kind of behold we're talking about. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Have we got this in NIV? This is the New King James Version. Can we switch over to to NIV? It says, see what great love. Again, he's saying, behold, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Isn't that great? He's lavished it that we should be called the children of God. Let me read it to you in in, uh, 
the message version, it says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just, just look at it. We're called the children of God. And then here's Scott's version. Are you ready? Is it okay if I paraphrase? You guys can send me emails next week and just chew me out. It's okay if you do that. This is Scott's version. What? I can't believe this. Look at the love that God gave to us. He is calling me a son. But I believe that when John wrote those words, he was so mind blown. Do you get that? Some of you look like you still don't get it. Do we have any other versions or any other thing that would help them to pull? There. For those of you that are under 20, this is what I'm talking about right here. What? He did this for me? Yes. And that's what John was trying to get across. He was trying to get across, you have got to get a hold of this right here. You've got to understand, folks, he isn't disappointed with you. He isn't shocked and amazed at what you're doing. He decided not to change his mind about you. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote to to the Christians who were in Rome who were struggling with this very same thing. They had the same question. They, they were going through their lives and they were thinking to themselves, I, I just don't, I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't know for sure that the, the stuff that we've been told and, and we've been preached to is for real. And Paul writes to them in Romans chapter 5. I don't know if we got this one to put on, on screen. It's in chapter 5 verse 8. And Paul says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. In what? In this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you would sit like I do, and I sit sometimes by the hours and ponder this stuff. If we sit and we think about what Paul wrote, then we have to come to the conclusion that God put this thing into action before, right? Before we were here. God put this thing into action at the beginning of time, before we were born, before we went to church, before we ever even thought about Him, He decided what? To love you. He made a determination. He he decided within Himself, being God, the three persons, He said, I'm going to love, insert your name there. He decided it before you ever even thought about Him. He made the first move. Right? He decided to do it. He demonstrated extreme love. He called your name all through your struggles. He knew your addictions. He knew your weaknesses. He knew your inadequacies. He knew that you wouldn't be consistent in your prayer life. He knew that you wouldn't be consistent with your Bible reading. All the stuff that we line up and say, boy, i got to get this right this week. Now I'm determined I'm going to get this right this week. And you don't. He knew it would be that way. He knew that you would wrestle with an addiction in your life and you would get the help you think you need and all the Facebook people would pour in and you still can't whip it. He knew that. That doesn't take God by surprise at all. He knew the relationship that you would be involved in in your life that was unhealthy for you and you won't do away with it. He knew that that was going to happen. You haven't surprised God. And yet in spite of all that, I wish somebody would hear me right now. In spite of all of that, He chose to love you. With an extreme love. He chose to 
love you. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are not just part of the family. You are a son and a daughter. That means you come and you receive all of the rights and all of the favor and all of the pleasure of the king. You're adopted into the family. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You, you, you don't know what the last week or the last month of my life has been like. You, I don't feel this morning like he loves me. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, we've got to quit gauging God on what we feel. We've got to quit gauging what we think God is doing on how we feel. Oh, I felt unworthy. I have felt ashamed. I have felt unloved. I have felt forgotten. But that's not what this says. We've got to gauge our lives on what this book says, not on how we feel. Are you with me this morning? Emotions will let you down. Emotions will have you up here thinking you are the man or the woman. And five seconds later, because somebody didn't like your post, you are guessing whatever. You are second guessing everything in your life. Maybe I've made the wrong turn somewhere along the way. Maybe I should have taken a different job. I probably did. Listen, we're Christians. We follow Christ. And he said, don't gauge your life on what you feel. Listen to what I'm telling you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's what the Word says. And when it says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on you, it doesn't say if you feel like He has lavished it on you. It says you better stand up and say, thank you, God, for the love you've lavished on me. I might not feel it. It might not look like it. I might still be tore from top to bottom. But you have loved me with an everlasting love. That's extreme, folks. That's something that we don't always get. Listen, you know this Scripture right here. It comes out of John 3.16, and it says what? For God so loved the world. Do Do you get that little so in there? I tell you, every time I get a chance to speak to you, every word matters. If it just said, for God loved, you'd be like, that's good stuff. Man, but when you put, for God so loved... Are y'all feeling that this morning? For those of you that are are married and you've got a love life like me and Julie got, she's going to kill me. I so love her. Right? I don't just love her. I so love her. And you love your spouse like that too, or you should. That's the kind of love... John's writing to us about, and we've heard that scripture for years and years and years, and we've read it. I want you to feel it this morning, for God so loved the world. Are you in the world? Is that you this morning? Are you part, are are y'all, somebody got to talk back to me. I'm part of the world, believe it or not, I'm in it. I'm not part of it, I'm in it. But when John wrote that, he said, you got to get a hold of this thing, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believeth on him should never perish but have what? Everlasting life. Did he mean after you got started reading your Bible he loved you? 
No. He mean after you stop cussing and drinking? No. Did he mean if you could just get a handle on the addiction that you have in your life or get that relationship straightened out, he would love you? That's not what that says. He said in, the, in, the, in spite of those things, in the presence of those things, regardless of those things, he made a decision to love you. So we got to get this settled in our hearts. And I've wrestled with this. I, I, it's not easy for me to be loved. I'm not the kind of guy that accepts love easily. So for me to understand that the creator of the universe, the very one that in Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created. That's the guy we're talking about here. Loves me. Loves you. And made a decision to do that. Knowing that I would be undisciplined. Knowing that I'd mess it up. Understanding that there would be times in my life when I turned my back and ran the other way. That's the same God that wants to get settled in your heart and in your mind this morning that He loves you with an everlasting love. We've got to understand and believe this. We've got to be convinced that we can't lose. How many of you are convinced this morning that you can't lose? Now, it takes more than just understanding it and being convinced of it. It takes going out and living it. Don't go out and live like a person that's not convinced. If you're in here telling me you're convinced that you can't lose, then don't go be a loser. We've got to accept His love and be convinced that we don't have to try harder or work longer to see if we can get God to love us more. Are you hearing that this morning? Some of you got a schedule. You got your check boxes. You're working down the schedule. You get up at 4.30. God bless you. I'm not. And you get started on your schedule. I love that. You're way healthier than I am. You're at the gym at 5 a.m. And then you get your Bible out. And you got the check boxes. And you go through all that. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless... You are doing that in the mindset that you're trying to make God love you more. You're trying to elevate to a point where you feel like God is in your corner. God is in your corner anyway. You're already there. You don't have to work harder. You don't have to try more. God made that decision to love you and He's not changed His mind. He's going to take care of all of your needs. We celebrate Veterans Day today and we love to wave our flags and we say we are free. We sang that in a song, we are free, but it's not freedom to sin. This doesn't give us a license to go out and do whatever we want. It's a freedom to live in Christ. It's a freedom to know that He loves us. It's a freedom to be joyful. It's a freedom to worship. That's the freedom that we live in. It's a freedom to love others. It's a freedom to not worry about keeping score. I'm super competitive. I like to keep score. If somebody even kicks a ball beside me, it's automatically game on. I don't know where we're kicking it. I don't even understand the rules, but I'm, I'm going for it. I'm all in. But with God, we don't have to keep score. You don't have to run faster. You don't have to kick the ball into the goal. You don't have to try to figure out the rules. The rules are, you were a sinner. He made a decision. He sent His Son. His Son died for you. You ask Him into your heart. You're forgiven. Game over. I love that. We don't have to work at it. It's already right there. 
So we've got to be convinced today that we're held tightly in the hand of God, that He hasn't changed His mind about us, that He's not giving up on us, and it doesn't matter what we've done, He is for us. There's nothing any of us can do that will cause God to love us more or less. Do you believe that? You see, it's outside of the characteristics, the very attributes of God to change. Man, when he went all in and said, I love you, insert your name there, he can't love you any more than he does. He's all in. And he can't love you any less than he does. You can scrape and run and try. You can just work yourself to death trying to get away from God. You know what he's going to say? Still love you. Still got you. But I've been running for 15 years. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) He still loves you. You can't do anything to make God love you more or less. It's impossible. It's against His nature. So why don't we do this this morning? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we settle this issue? That's what I feel like God sent me here today to to, to try to get somebody here or or, or somebody watching online or somebody that will listen to this podcast. You've been struggling with just this one simple thing. And this is where it starts. If you could get this issue settled in your heart and in your mind, it'll change how you live your entire life. Let me give you an example. If you are coming from the premise and the decision and the boldness in your heart and in your mind that you are a child of God and that He loves you everlasting and unconditionally, when you are faced with tomorrow's work issue, you will make a different decision. As a matter of fact, when you leave and you try to get your car out of the parking lot out here today and somebody cuts you off, when you come from the position of, I am a child of God, you, you will make a different decision. And perhaps a different gesture. <laughs> let's settle this issue today. Let's don't leave here today still wondering, still scratching our heads, still, still trying to figure out what is my position in the kingdom? What, what does God think of me? What, what does He possibly have for me? Wouldn't it be great if this group of people that was here, those of you that have joined us online, could settle this in our hearts, God loves us. He, he, he loves me. He made a decision to, to love me. I know I'm being repetitive, but I feel like some of you, you got to get hammered in order to... to not that kind of hammered, see? I shouldn't have come to this side of the church. It's got to be drilled into you in order to get, get it through your, your head. And i got a thick skull too. I'm talking to me too. It's... God loves me. Oh, when I understand that God loves me, all of a sudden, when music starts playing that glorifies His name, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a little of that. I, I start looking like Hunter up here. I got a little sway, right? Sometimes. And I love her. She's my daughter-in-law. Kaylee gets one of these right here. She, whoa! 
But how can you not when you understand what He's done for you and what decision He made and that you don't have to do anything except, Lord, I need You. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What a great revelation if you didn't already have it this morning from God's Word. Simple text, simple things that we already knew. We've already read them. We've already been to that Bible study, Pastor. I know, but some of us didn't have it down deep inside of us. Some of us hadn't made that declaration. Some of us don't live like it. This is what I want for Connections Church. I want Connections Church, whether it's the first time you've ever been here or you've been here since day one, ten years ago. I want us to live convinced. That we are children of God. I want us to live overcoming lives. Not because that's what Scott wants, because that's what God said He wanted for us. I want us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He loves us. And so there's some people here today, I know there are, that have failed Him this week. I'm one of them. There's some people here this week that have failed Him this week. There's some people here that have uh, gone down some paths over the last little bit of their lives and, and it's just, you know that's not where God wants you to be. But I'm telling you this morning, He doesn't love you any less. He loves you unconditionally. He wants to see that thing turned around in your life. That's why He sends the Holy Spirit to convict us sometimes and let us know we're headed the wrong direction. What will your response be to that this morning? Oh God, we just want to love you. That's what I want us to say. And we want to receive your love. So if you're here this morning, anything made sense to you, just get down here. Come on. If anything made sense, you felt anything at all, just come on. Because we're just going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to sing. We won't be but just a few more minutes. But God wants to, He wants to convince you this morning of His love for you. Don't you leave here feeling like second-rate people. God has put you in a place of authority as a son or a daughter. He loves you with an everlasting love. Whether you feel it or not, I want you to receive that this morning. So come on, if anybody else wants to come, we're just going to receive God's love for us this morning as we we just pray together, we we just worship together. We're just going to receive His love this morning. I had something else for you in this message, but God told me to save it for another time, so I'm going to save it. This is it. Don't wait any longer. Come on. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the authority that you've given me as a child of God to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for the people in this altar right now, the the people who have responded in their hearts, in their seats, the people online who have, have responded to you, God. I pray that you will convince them this morning of the love that you have for them. God, don't let them get up from this time or or leave the room or or end this prayer time, this worship time together. Don't, Don't let them leave, God, until they are convinced 
of how much you love them. Behold, John said. Look. Get this, John said. At the love that He has lavished on us. Why? Just the fact that we're still breathing this morning means that God has lavished His love on us. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus for these people who are around this altar. God, me touching them has absolutely no impact except to just agree with them on what You're doing in their hearts. Father, God, convince them this morning. There is no weapon formed against them that can prosper. There is nothing that will happen to them that you don't already know. They have not run too far away to be brought back. God, you have flowed over them this morning with your love, with your spirit, with compassion and with mercy. And I praise your name for that this morning. God, for the addiction that's in this place in somebody or somebody's lives this morning that needs to be broken. I pray the power of Jesus Christ to break that addiction. It has no hold on them any longer. They are a child of God. It doesn't mean that they're they're not going to be saved. It doesn't mean they're any less loved. They need freedom, God, this morning from that addiction. God, for the relationships that are broken that desperately need to be repaired in this place this morning, God, I pray that You would send a wave of revival in relationships, in marriages, between moms and and sons and fathers and daughters and and people and families, God. Before we gather around a table and, and celebrate thanksgiving to You, I pray for a mending of relationships, Father. And as Your love flows in, As your love makes itself known to us this morning, 